Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. We are very honored to have Brother Green back with us. He's always been a tremendous blessing and been greatly used of God. And we're going to be behind the preaching of the word tonight, right? I want you to pray this prayer with me if you can say it in sincerity. Lord, speak to me tonight. Okay? Let's say that together if we can. Lord, speak to me. Don't ask God to speak to the person next to you. God, speak to me. How many need a new word tonight? Need a new revelation from God's word? Brother Green, come and take your liberty. We respect and appreciate you. Praise the Lord, everyone. Amen. What a privilege to be back up here in God's country and got so tired of warm weather and been uh, got a little bit of a sore throat. I hope that doesn't, my voice is not too grating on you today, Uh, but I have discovered something about life and that is that um, a fireplace doesn't feel real good in 98 degree weather and 100% humidity. But it takes cold weather that you're chilled in to really enjoy the warmth of a fireplace. It's the lilies of the valley that are tremendous because they're in the valley. What makes the mountaintop and the view from the mountain so tremendous is how hard it is to get up there, how rare it is, how different, unique it is because of the tremendous effort it takes to get to certain places. So I have kind of learned in my walk with God that when there are ups and when there are downs, that God is going to show me something powerful, interesting, wonderful, anointed, and I am just loving, living for God. Anybody loving, living for God? Amen. Amen. I've uh, come with a word of healing tonight, and I want to preach to you from the Gospel of John, chapter 5, begin reading at verse 1. I want to give high honor to your pastor, uh, my friend, and man respected, well-respected, not only all over the Wisconsin district, but also by his peers and on the home mission board of directors and all across the nation as well, and it's my privilege to call him friend. That's appropriate. Thank you. And also to his bride, and thank you so much for the dinner today. That was tremendous. And all my friends in the house today. Gospel of John, chapter 5, verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season to the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the trouble of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. 
When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked, and on the same day was the Sabbath. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. It has been some time now when Holy Ghost began to direct me to this portion in the Gospel of John. And sometimes the way that God deals with me about a message or a word to speak to his people is that he'll put a verse or a several verses upon my heart and as I'm reading them I can't get away from them so I'll read them once and then I'll read them directly again the second time and the third time and the fourth time sometimes I find myself concentrating hard on trying to understand what the verses are saying and reading them over and over for an hour or more I I think I must have read this portion of scripture a thousand times before it finally began to occur to me what God was trying to let me see some of us are just (laughs) hard-headed what we needed to see in this scripture so I began to realize the Holy Ghost was bringing me to the understanding that this passage of scripture is a parallel of where we as the church are today the first thing that I saw in first one was that this was a time when a feast of the Jews was happening and if you do a little chronological study here in John you'll find that it must have been the feast of Passover or more particular it had to have been the feast of Pentecost. So the first parallel I find in the scripture is that this is speaking about those who've had the Pentecostal experience in their life. Is there anybody here that spoke in tongues when the Holy Ghost came? Are you glad for the Pentecostal experience? So I discovered that this is a parallel and it is speaking to those who've had the Pentecostal experience. The next thing I find is that Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, the name Jerusalem literally means city of peace. And there is no city you can go into worldwide that is a true city of peace unless you're talking about the city of Mount Zion, which is the church of the living God. Even in our great United States of America, with all of its military power, it doesn't matter what city you go into, there's still fear of violence, and there is still lawlessness, and there is recklessness of human behavior, and so there's no place you can really go anywhere and find a true city that's a city of peace, unless you're talking about the city of Mount Zion. So I would submit for your reasoning that this is the second parallel. This is speaking of those that are in the city of Mount Zion, those that are part of the house of God, those that have the Pentecostal experience. Next we find in verse 2 that this is by the sheep market. And anytime you see sheep in the scripture, it's referring to the people of God. This is why the psalmist declared in Psalms 23, the Lord is my 
shepherd, that means we're the sheep. And because he's our shepherd, he can lead us beside still waters and green pastures. And when we walk through the valley that death is around us, we operate in faith instead of fear because we have a shepherd. Psalms 100 declares that we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. That's why we enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. So here is just the third parallel that is speaking of those that call the Lord their shepherd. Those that have had the Pentecostal experience in their life. Those that live in the city of Mount Zion, the church, and those that have those that have the Lord as their shepherd. The next thing that we find is that this particular place is called Bethesda. Bethesda literally means house of mercy. And just like there's no city you can go into worldwide and find peace, there's no house you can enter into globally and find true mercy, unless you're talking about the house of God. Even the best that our programs and our government helps and all the money that we can seem to pour at individuals who are needy in our society. The best thing they can do for us is tell us to get up every morning, look in the mirror and confess. I'm an addict. I have a problem. I have this identity. That's the best they can offer. And thank God that it's a help to many people. But you can come to the house of God with problems in your life. And once you have received this gospel, you become a new creature in Christ Jesus. All things are passed away. You could come to the house of God, a thief, and leave innocent in spirit. You can come to the house of God having destroyed your your morality and let the Holy Ghost get a hold of you and it will change your lifestyle. That's mercy. And there's no house you can go in and say this is a true house of mercy unless you're talking about again the house of God. So this is speaking of just the next parallel that is talking about those that call the Lord their shepherd, live in the city of peace, the house of mercy those that do have the Pentecostal experience. The next parallel speaks of this place having five porches. And I believe this is speaking of the five-fold ministry that must be resident in the church. Does anybody believe that you have to have the five-fold ministry to be perfected, to be edified, and to be mature to do the work of ministry? Anybody believe you have to have a pastor to be saved? It's the word of God. Anybody believe that you have to have a pastor? I don't mean just somebody you call pastor, but someone you let climb into the watchtower of your life and speak words of guidance as God leads and directs him. Just as much as we need a pastor who will guard us, we also need the voice of an apostle who will govern us. And we need the voice of a prophet who will give direction and guide us and we need a voice of a teacher in our life that will ground us and solidify us we need the five-fold ministry but I would simply say that this is just another parallel it's speaking of the five-fold ministry that's resident in the church the last 
parallel I'd bring your attention to is the last verse we read that simply declared this miracle happened on the Sabbath. And those of you who've done any study in the New Testament Sabbath understand that the infilling of the Holy Ghost is the fulfillment of the Old Testament Sabbath. This is the refreshing. This is what causeth the weary to rest. This is the Sabbath of the New New Covenant Testament, New Testament. So here is just the next sixth or seventh parallel. This is speaking about the church. Somebody say it's talking about the church. But then in the very next verse, in these, in what? In the church, lay a great multitude of impotent folk, blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. Now, I know you're thinking, he just said this was a parallel of the church. You know, the church, triumphant. The church that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. The church that Christ will build and none can destroy. That's, that's right. But with, even within the church, we have a multitude of individuals among us that have tremendous needs. To some degree, we might have these groups of people in the physical realm. But to a greater degree, we see we have these groups of people in the spiritual realm. The first group that John brings our attention to is those that are impotent there in Bethesda. This word impotent in generality from the original Greek literally means having very little physical strength. Spiritual parallel of this simply means that we have very little spiritual strength. And we have way too many people among us. Yes, they are tongue talkers. Yes, they call the Lord their shepherd. They're part of this great church that's a house of mercy. That's a city of peace. It's part of the great New Testament covenant. But still, way too many people among us that have very little spiritual strength. This is why when the first sign of trouble comes, our instinct seems to be Pick up the telephone and call sister so-and-so that's an intercessor. Immediately get a hold of some prayer network so somebody can pray. And that's good. I'm glad we have people that can minister to us within the church. But there should be something rise up within us. When the enemy comes against our home, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So something should rise up in you and rebuke the enemy and say, get behind me, Satan. There should be something that wants to rise up in us and declare it's time to fight. If the enemy has come against us, I'll put a prayer meeting on him. I'll speak a word of faith. I will put a fasting on him. And you somehow know what you are in God. But we have way too many people among us. And I've come in the direction of the Holy Ghost even to identify many in this place today. This great church, many among us that do not have the spiritual strength that they should. Second group of people also represented here today, and it's those that are blind. Blind. The physical realm, of course, it's those that do not have vision. The spiritual realm, it speaks of the same. It's those that do not see what God is doing. 
within a local assembly. They cannot see the miracles coming to pass because they just don't have the vision. They, they can't see the promises spoken of revival happening among them because circumstance has caused them to be blinded and they can't see the promises of God. It's difficult for them to see the hand of God moving in their life, in their behalf, and they just don't have the vision. The vision. Third group of people, even those that are in this place today, is those that are halt. The physical realm, it speaks of those that cannot walk. The spiritual realm, it speaks of those who've not learned to walk an overcoming walk on a consistent daily basis. And we have way too many people among us, way too many Pentecostals, way too many that call the Lord their shepherd. Yes, you're a part of the church. Way too many that are part of Bethesda, part of the city of peace that just just are not walking an overcoming walk on a consistent basis. It's not the will of God for you to make the same mistakes over and over and over again. It's not the purpose of God for you to pray through on Sunday and then Wednesday fall into temptation again. It's not the purpose of God for you to go through a camp meeting or go to some special service, get your faith high only to come back home and the enemy began to speak to you again and you fall right back down into the depths of your depression. But we're supposed to walk an overcoming walk with God. It's the will and the purpose of God we have way too many young people among us that are not walking a consistent overcoming walk with God and we have way too many that are not even in the youth groups anymore. And they are now young marrieds and beginning to move perhaps into more of a middle age that still have not learned to walk an overcoming walk with God. And even seniors, tremendous, precious seniors, not walking a consistent overcoming walk with God. The last group of people mentioned here is those that are withered. The physical realm, it speaks of those that have no flow of liquid or no flow of blood as we're concerning the human body. We see this example in the scripture with a man with a withered hand. And this withered hand was probably shriveled. It was deformed. It was discolored. It was non-usable until Jesus healed his withered hand. And there's way too many people among us whose experiences of joy have dried up, whose experience of peace is no longer fresh, whose testimony is not vibrant and passionate anymore. No wonder it's difficult for us to reach and to help somebody else because our own experience has dried up becomes difficult to lift someone else when our faith is dry. Difficult to comfort somebody else when our peace is withered. Difficult to testify and to win a soul when our testimony has become dried. These four groups of people not only identified here in the passage of Scripture, but also identified in the church, even in this great church, way 
Too many precious Pentecostals call the Lord their shepherd, house of mercy, city of peace, fivefold ministry, New Testament covenant that just do not have spiritual strength and are not seeing the vision, not walking an overcoming walk, and their experience has become dry. But Bethesda had a habit that I think identified helps us. Because they were waiting for a moving of the water at a certain season. They were waiting until a certain season would happen. And then they would stretch their faith. Then they would jump into the program. Then they would start getting behind what's going on when a certain season came. For example, they were waiting till you were in a harvest revival before they decided to witness it. They were waiting for a healing crusade before they decided to stretch their faith for the supernatural. They were waiting for a certain season to be happening. And I do understand seasons, but you've got to understand here in the text, in the middle of their waiting, Jesus is walking among them. He who opens the blind eyes and they're waiting for a season. Walking past them is him that heals the withered hands and they're waiting for a season. Sometimes we get in that kind of mentality when we're here on a Wednesday night and we're not in a Sunday morning revival mindset and we've come in and don't realize that Jesus is walking among us. And there's opportunity for healings and miracles and strength and vision, health and blessing. But they were waiting for a certain season. But the principle of Bethesda, I have also seen happen over and over worldwide in our ministry. But the principle simply said this, first one in when the water is troubled is made whole of whatsoever disease he had. That when there begins to be a stirring and the messenger from heaven begins to stir or trouble the water, it's the first ones that respond. The first ones that get in the middle of what being preached. The first ones that get into the altar. The first ones that respond to what the Spirit is troubling. They're the ones that receive. I want you to know I've seen this so many times. It's those that sometimes are not even waiting till the preaching is over. And they just run down the front because they need their miracle. They, they receive their miracle. It's not with those that are sitting back and watching and saying who's going to respond first and who's going to do this. But it's those that just jump in. It's those that respond first. And you'll have the opportunity to respond to that principle in just a few moments. Jesus has gone to Bethesda in our text and he is passing by blind people, lame people, impotent folk. He's walking right by the withered individuals and he's not healing any of them. Because he's not looking just for a need, but he's looking for faith in the middle of their need. Plenty of needs 
but he's not stopped. But he is stopped by the one individual with faith. For the scripture lets us know that Jesus saw a man who had been laying there 38 years. But this is what Jesus saw. He saw that that man had been there now a long time in that case. What's the difference between being there a long time and being there now a long time? It's just a matter of your perception. Because you might have been there a week and if you're okay with that, you've just been there a long time. Or you might have been there 38 years, and if that's fine with you, you've just been there a long time. But if you have come to a place in your life that you are sick and tired of being in this situation, and you desperately want there to be a change, you've been there now a long time in that case. And that is enough faith to stop Jesus. Just someone who's sick and tired of having the same problems. Someone that is sick and tired of falling into the same potholes and not walking to overcoming walk. Someone who's tired of not seeing the vision and just how God's working things out in your circumstance. Someone who wants the spiritual strength to be able to fight the battle. Someone who is sick and tired of being sick and tired. So that faith stops Jesus and he begins to speak to this man who has been there 38 years. And he asks him a question that seems, seems like a question that really shouldn't even have to be answered. But in reality, it must be answered. For the question that Jesus asks is, will you be made whole? Do you want to be made whole doesn't that seem rhetorical surely everybody wants to be made whole but it's it's not the case it's not it's been some time ago the first time that I saw this but I was in a church service and the power of God was there for physical healings and miracles were happening all over the church service and I walked back to speak to that lady on the back row and I began to tell her that God is going to raise you up. That when I pray for you in the name of Jesus, you're going to get out of the wheelchair. I'm going to get in it. You're going to push me around this place. I, I was speaking my faith and telling her what God was going to do. And she looked at me and she said, oh, Sonny, <laughs> pray for me, but I, I really don't want to be healed. And I, I said, what? I don't, I don't understand that. You don't want to be healed? And she said, well, I know it sounds kind of bad, but I'm in this wheelchair and when someone wheels me up to a door, there's always people to jump up to open a door for me. She said, when I come into the room, they put me the first in line for the cake after church. <clears throat> when people come to talk to me, they always just love on me and pet me and I've just got kind of comfortable with the way they baby me in my handicap. The truth is, everyone doesn't want to be made spiritually whole either. Because your circumstance, your situation has become your identity. 
until it's expected that you should be baby because of that terrible thing that happened to you. Bless your heart. Have you, have you ever met someone that, that, I know it's nobody here, but you ever ask somebody, praise the Lord, brother, how are you doing? And the first thing they did was, oh, 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 let me tell you about my headache, my knee, my toe, let me, it, it, that's their identity. And now it's all about the aches and the pains that they have. And I know we all deal with these things and sometimes seasons more than others, but surely we don't want that to be our identity. It was almost the same kind of situation. I went to pray for a man on the back row and I had already knew in the Holy Ghost that it was his back that had severe problems and chronic problems. And uh, I said, sir, when I pray for you, God's going to heal your back totally. You're going to have strength and energy and power like you've not had in years. And he said, no, pray for me, but I don't want to be healed. And I said, you're kidding me. He said, well, here's the situation. I'm on disability with the government. And if I'm healed, I'm going to have to go back to work and I don't want to work. Now, Again, thank God for any helps and any things that can happen and all the helps that are happening, even within our government and stuff. But the scripture lets us know that if you have the ability to work and you choose not to, that you're worse than an infidel. (laughs) That you don't even deserve to eat. Anybody in Wisconsin believe that? Amen. But it hurts a little more when we move that into the spiritual realm. And if you have the opportunity to be healed and to be made whole in your spirit and you choose not to, perhaps you don't deserve to spiritually eat and to partake of the blessings, the goodness. I told you it hurt a little more in the spiritual realm. So it's a real question that we must answer. Do you want to be made whole? And if that answer is still, I'm sick and tired of being like I am. And then the second point of faith that this man speaks, simply this. I don't have any man to put me into the pool. And while the miracles are happening, someone always beats me. I wondered for years, where is the faith in this response? It looks like he's saying nothing but negative words and I can't. It almost looks like a pity party to me. But then I began to see these few words here. But while I am coming. Here's a man probably paralyzed from neck down. Surely a tremendous amount of paralysis in his physical body. He has been at Bethesda for 38 years waiting for his miracle. He is watching the moving of the water because he wants to be the first one in. And when he sees the stirring of the water, he's trying to get in. He can't stand up, doesn't have the ability He can't pull himself with his hands. He doesn't have the ability. Probably the best ability he has is to just throw his head as he's laying there on the ground to try to overbalance himself to fall into the pool. Also, he is screaming and crying out, somebody help me, push me, kick me, throw me, do whatever you've got to do, just get me into. He doesn't have the ability to get in, but he's trying. 
These are two points of faith that will change your circumstance in the hands of God. Sick and tired of being like you are and willing to try. That's enough faith for Christ to do a miracle. And so hearing these two points of faith, the Lord begins to speak the miraculous to this young man. But he doesn't lift him up by the hand as we see in other places of the scripture. And he doesn't use handkerchiefs from his body as we see in the book of Acts with the apostle Paul. And, and he doesn't pour holy water on him. That's not biblical at all. <laughs> I'd like to have some water from Jerusalem, but it's not holy to heal. But what he did for this man to have a miracle is give him three commandments that he did not have the ability to obey. What? He told the man, get up. Pick up your bed and walk. Well, if the dude could have got up, he wouldn't have been laying there for 38 years. If he could have picked up his bed, his friends wouldn't have been carrying him there day after day. And if he could have walked, he'd have been putting one foot in front of the other. He'd been long gone. But he is speaking words of authority to this man because he did not have the power to do it before. He did not have the physical ability to do it before. But when Jesus speaks words, then authority happens in your life. And if you're sick and tired and you're willing to try, the words of authority is the keys that you need. And because of his faith, he's sick and tired, faith, and he's willing to try. When he hears the commands, get up. He just... He's done this a thousand times. His mind has told his hand, go out, and nothing has happened. How many times has he physically tried to move his legs, his hands? He has tried to do this millions of times, no doubt, and it has never worked. But because he just has enough faith to try again, he wills himself to move. And somehow, now this is my imagination, through some experiences I've seen in the miraculous. Somehow, this time when he tells his hand to move, it actually moves. And he gets it behind him and is able to push himself. And standing on his feet, he's... It might not be the best balance you've ever seen, but he's there. And then he hears the second command. Now, now pick up your bed. And so somehow he gets himself down low enough to pick that bed up. And there he is holding the bed. It, again, it might not look like the best balance and strength you've ever seen, but he's holding his bed, and then he hears the last commandment. Now walk. And so he just throws that one foot and, and then the other one, but then the next verse speaks of an immediate miracle. Immediately he is made whole. There is something about authority that when God speaks a word into your life, now you have the ability when you didn't the day before, you now have the authority to operate in your faith. Even if it's as simple as just trying one more time. 
So a miracle of wholeness is simply put. Many times we understand healings and supernatural. If God had done only a healing for this man, this man would have received some ability for his brain to communicate with his muscles and the rest of his body. And somehow what was injured or malformed would would be healed and he would be able to walk but this is not just a miracle of healing this is a miracle of wholeness because the man immediately has balance it's like he had not been laying there 38 years his muscles that were atrophied from never being used have their average normal strength that they should have It's not just that he's healed, but it's like the hurt never happened. It's like the damage was totally reversed. It was like that hurt had never happened. It was like that crash had never happened. It's like that disease had never come. It was was like it was reversed back to never having been hurt. He was made whole physically. I believe that his psyche was instantly made whole. He no longer saw himself as a beggar of society. He no longer saw himself as a second-class citizen, but he saw himself as one of equal citizenship because he was made whole in his psyche, his emotions, his physical body as well. Miracle of wholeness. When I speak today that God wants to do the miraculous in this place, this Wednesday night, it's not just that he wants to take pain from your body. He wants to do a miracle of wholeness and symptoms be so gone so that it's like you never have experienced that particular tragedy in your life. He wants to do a miracle of wholeness. But the same questions that they had to answer in John chapter five are the same questions we have to come to grips with today. And that's simply this. Do you want to be made whole? Because it's going to demand some certain things of you. It's going to mean that you have no more spiritual welfare. You can't just coast spiritually anymore. It means that you're going to have to get up and go to work spiritually. <laughs> It also means that you're going to have to let your identity be changed. You can no longer be identified by the spiritual hurt that happened to you or where this leader failed you or where that mama did this or this one did that. Your identity is going to have, everybody doesn't want to be made whole. Then we have to allow the commands of Jesus to be heard by us today as well. For he said, Arise, get up. That means stand on your own two feet and take responsibility for your walk with God. Can't blame mom anymore for what she did. And I can't blame my past anymore for the mistakes I had. And I can't blame this and I can't blame that. But if I'm going to live for God, then it's going to be up to me. And I'm going to do whatever I'm going to do. I'm going to work out my salvation with fear and trembling. It also means 
Now we'll have to take responsibility for our own ministry. I can assure you, men do not close the door on ministries. Organizations do not close the door on ministry. God lifts up and God takes down. And the truth of the matter is if that you're not fulfilling the ministry that you think God has called you into, then we might need to look a little closer in the mirror and take responsibility. Maybe I'm not committed like I need to be. Maybe I've not moved in the spirit of servanthood like I need to be. Maybe I've not positioned myself where God can trust. Take responsibility for your stand on your own two feet. It's a tough command. The second commandment is pick up your bed. That simply means reach down and pick up what's been carrying you and start carrying it. And others, others have carried us into his presence with their prayer and with their worship and with their dedication. Too many of us have just been carried even into this service where there's been a beautiful presence of God and we just showed up expecting to be here and not really realizing that others' prayers and others' dedication, others were fasting, others were giving themselves so that we could have this atmosphere here. Others' prayer is allowing you to have the liberty of faith even in this place. So you've got to make this decision. I'm going to pick up what I have been carried on and start carrying it myself. I'll be responsible for the atmosphere in my church services. I will be responsible for the ministry in my church. I will be responsible for the faith that operates among us. You've got to pick up what you've been carried on and carry it. And the last I think maybe is the most important. The last commandment is simply walk. That means more than what happens here in this altar, although you have to receive a word of authority, but more than what happens here in this altar, it's when you get up tomorrow and it's Thursday and you've already hit the snooze too many times and you're running late now you've just got to put one foot in front and say, you know what? This is the day that the Lord hath made. I will be a Christian today. I, I will live for God today. I will walk with him. I will talk with him. I will take responsibility for my ministry. I will find someone to minister to today. Someone to have compassion on. Someone to love. Someone to pray for. Someone to touch. Someone to minister to. I will take responsibility Thursday, when it's no altar call. And then when you get up Friday, you got to take your other foot and put it in front. And then when Monday comes, Monday, Monday, let it snow, let it snow. Monday's here, you've got to decide. Okay, it's Monday. Put my foot in front of the other. But the miracle of wholeness is an immediate miracle. That if you are just willing to try, having received your word of authority, immediately you can be a different person and have overcoming power. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Immediately, you can be a different person and begin to see and to have the vision. Immediately, you can have the spiritual strength because it is an 
instantaneous miracle. What we must have is words of authority. Now let me say this. Many places in the scripture we find why people have sicknesses. And since we're relating this to the spiritual, let me relate it in the spiritual sense. Pre-Calvary, and I don't have time to qualify everything I'm saying, but pre-Calvary, you find the overwhelming idea among the disciples. It was a strong Judaism teaching that the reason why people were blind and halted is because of one of two things, generational curse, sin of the father visited upon the children of the third and fourth generation, or it was their own sin and mistakes that have caught, that's pre-Calvary. Don't get upset at me, pre-Calvary. Matter of fact, this is what the disciples asked Jesus about the blind man. Why was he born blind from birth? Was it because of his parents' sin or his sin? In their Jewish mindset, that's the only reasons, pre-Calvary. But after Calvary, there is a mercy and a grace that extends to this covenant relationship. And Paul begins to tell us of a couple of other reasons. First of all, he tells us, and this is the time of communion, he tells us that many are sick among us and many die before they should because we eat and drink of the body and the blood of Christ unworthily. And it's not just speaking of when we take the communion but it's that we take for granted the presence of God in our life. Nonchalantly go through a service and a ceremony and he's walking up and down the aisles and touching and reaching and we just... And to get our attention, the mercy of God will allow something to come into our life. So if we get the chance to be in his presence again, we are not going to take it for granted. Have you ever had the blessing to have perhaps been in a hospital for a long time and not able to come to church? Wanted to be there, but you couldn't. Do you remember how before you really should have physically, you went to church anyways because you missed it so much? Perhaps you even remember sitting there thinking, this feels so good. Why isn't everybody else worshiping, enjoying the presence? They take it for granted because they've been there so many times. Sometimes the mercy of God will allow things because we eat, drink, partake of the body of Christ unworthily. But then we also see that life and circumstance happens to us all. And then Jesus gives us important revelation when the disciples ask, why was this man born blind? Was it the sin that he was going to commit or the sins of the father? And Jesus said, you missed the overall reason why he's sick and why he's blind. It's for the glory of God to be made manifest in his life. It didn't matter why, if it was his sin or the sins of the father. It didn't matter why he was sick. The overall reason was is that God wanted to give glory in the kingdom of heaven. And so he healed him and opened his blinded eyes. And the glory of God was manifest. So if you've ever wondered why you've had spiritual blindness or your vision's been hurt. Why? where you dropped like Mephibosheth by a spiritual leader and you've been crippled in your walk. Why? 
Why do you not have the spiritual strength you should have when you seemingly are partaking of the word of God and the worship like others are in church service? I'll tell you the overall reason is for the glory of God to be made manifest in your life. So when he speaks the word of authority in you today, you'll walk out of here a different creature. And when you put one foot in front of yourself tomorrow, immediate wholeness. I'm looking at precious people who many of you need your peace back. Oh yeah, you're Christian. I know you're going to heaven. That's, that's not what I'm speaking about. But it's been a long time since you just had the peace of God and could sleep like there was no problems because his peace passes all understanding. And there's too many here because of accidents in your life and life and circumstance and whatever reason, your joy has become withered. It's been too long since you woke up in the morning just singing about heaven. Too long since you woke up in the middle of the night, smile on your face, realize you've been speaking in tongues in your dreams and the joy of the Lord all over you. You need a brand new experience that your witheredness would be made whole. Others' vision, others' walk, others' strength. Would you stand with me? Jesus name in G I feel a stirring in the spirit and if you want God to speak words of authority into your life tonight then why don't you realize that their water is being troubled right now and the first ones in will be made whole of whatsoever disease sickness they have I'm inviting you right now if you'd like words of authority from God spoke to you just walk on down to this front stand in this altar and let God speak to you let the spirit of the Lord speak to your heart let the spirit of the Lord speak to your eyes let the spirit of the Lord speak to your strength let the spirit of the Lord speak to you and simply declare You want to be made whole? Want to be made whole? You sick and tired and you really do want it to be a change? Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262 965-5177 965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.